0: Hey, all right, everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome. Another episode of Heal Thyself. As always, thank you for joining, taking the time out of your day. I wanna tell you about today's show because I'm so excited about how amazing it's gonna be. A lot of us really run away from the topic of death. And if you feel it in your body about today's knowledge bomb being about death, then lean into it because it may be the episode that you need more than anyone. Super important episode with a lot of truth bombs in here, okay? for us to learn how to have a better relationship with death such that we can have a deeper relationship with ourselves and our lives. So, so important. So, I'm going to be talking a little bit about death, my experience with it, other society's experiences with it, and how we can come closer to a better understanding and release some of the anxiety of the inevitable. Everyone will be affected by death, and we will be affected one day personally. If you feel morbidity in your body and you don't want to hear it, lean into it and check this episode out, and very special guest we have today, Dr. Amy B. Killen is one of the most highly sought-after longevity doctors in the country. She's over in Utah. She's gonna talk about stem cells, PRP, hormones, sexual health, skin health, and overall longevity, so how we can live longer and feel better in our bodies. And she's an amazing, down-to-earth, super sweet person, so I'm really excited to talk to her. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them. And their quality plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products, GHKCU and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alitura Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you, Our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed if you wanna experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifyShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. Now, as I mentioned in the intro, if you're really feeling some sort of way about listening or even facing a knowledge bomb about death, you can ask yourself, how do you feel about the concept of death? How do you feel about your relationship with death? How do you feel about the inevitability that we're all going to die someday? So if anything, my hope is that this knowledge bomb helps you face a few things, right? Because the point of it is for us to live in a really healthy, fruitful, deep, loving relationship with life. All right, I want to start off with my favorite quote from one of my favorite books called Conversations with God. And it's about death. Use the illusion of death. Do not become it. Use it to open to life. The flower that dies is part of a whole tree that is changing and will soon bear fruit. The blossoming and falling away of the flower is a sign that the tree is ready to bear fruits. We are not the flower nor the fruit. We are the tree, a tree with roots embedded in God." Now however you want to use the word God, you can use it as an omnipotent force, nature, the universe, whatever it is, it's interchangeable. The point is that we are bigger and more profound than we can ever conceptualize. So the important topic today, we run away from talking about death, and granted, it's how we are raised. Death is a taboo in our society, and as a result, we're so poorly equipped to deal with loss. And even more tragically, poorly equipped to live our life to the fullest. I mentioned how we are raised, and it's much of modern culture. How many times have you been stopped from questioning your own mortality by a loved one? Oh, no, 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 don't talk about that. Or no 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 don't don't say that you're you're healthy you'll be fine or this is too heavy to talk about let's talk about something else. Well, what we are reflecting to each other is our own fear of the unknown. And my goal for this episode is for you to lean into death, remove that taboo, and see that moment as it is a true gift. So when it comes to my experience, let me paint this picture. And it might resonate with some of you because cancer is rampant. Uh, there are so many people who are suffering with cancer. So many of you will understand this experience. But let me paint this picture because I really want to talk about death with dignity. So I saw my mom in four months degrade from someone recovering from cancer, still underweight but seemingly getting better, degraded to skin and bones with a tube in her throat to keep her from choking on her own saliva and a nasal cannula to feed oxygen to a failing respiratory system. A pre-hospice feeding tube surgically placed in her stomach when her esophagus decided to stop working so she couldn't swallow food. And she lay unrecognizable in a hospital bed, under fluorescent lights, with that disjointed symphony of hospital machine buzzes and beeps. And outside the room, there's a half full parking lot and a busy New Jersey highway. Do you see the picture I'm painting? This is the setting of my mom's death, and no one's to blame. This is how most of us die in hospitals. According to a Stanford University study, 80% of Americans would prefer to die at home, if possible. But despite this, 60% of Americans die in acute care hospitals, 20% in nursing homes, and only 20% at home. And like so many of us have experienced, our loved ones are dying without any dignity. This is not death. This is us in medicine. Although admirable in our teachings to save lives and not allowing the inevitable till the very last minute, we sacrifice the integrity of death for saying, we tried everything. The irony, it was over before we even began intervening. So we in modern society do death in a way that isn't serving those making the transition and our families. Just think, there's other societies that face the concept or idea of death every year such that when the day comes, they've prepared themselves with a better relationship. Think about how many Latin countries face death through a festival. The Day of the Dead, I'm sure you've heard of, it, Dia de los Muertos is a holiday to accept death as part of life. And we Latinos believe that a person's essence or soul is infinite. It can always be contacted or accessed. The Day of the Dead is how these cultures pay tribute to those who have passed onto their true form. And it's three days of recognition and celebration. As you may have seen, there's parades, devotion altars, candles, costumes, flowers, dancing, remembrances, candies, celebratory dishes, and most importantly, community and celebrations of the person through storytelling. Now imagine a child, all of their life, being exposed every year to the remembrance and celebration of death. Imagine if and when that child's time or adult's time comes, how their experience is different from our experience when we look at it as such a taboo. In Japan, there is the Oban Festival, another festival over several days in celebration of our ancestors and the homes are dressed, the altars are made, grave sites are visited, and they dance and honor the dead, and people spend quality time together, again, in remembrance. Some towns in Japan are lit up with lanterns everywhere, so to illuminate for the dead. Some towns create bonfires. It's very popular because, like they did with Dia de los Muertos, this creates more community, and facing the concept of death, as well as bonding with family, and brings light to those that may have been forgotten. In Brazil, Dia de los Finados, is a holiday, a national holiday, where the country stops everything, takes time to visit loved ones, grave sites, and reflect on death. Colombia, Peru also have similar festivals. And if I remember correctly, in my young mind, I believe I attended something like this in Ecuador as a child. It's not just Latin America, though. Europe does it, too. Poland and Ireland have very specific rituals. Almost every country in Africa has their own ritual and celebration of death. Muslim countries have very specific traditions. China even has a tomb-sweeping day where you go and visit the tomb of a loved one, pay your respects, and tend to the area of where they're buried. South Korea, they have the Chuseok Festival, which is like Thanksgiving to them, but then they set up a table for their ancestors and pay respects every single year. You see what I'm trying to say? There's countries around the world that have made peace, at least tried to make peace with death, so that when our time comes, we have found peace within it. Now the fear of the unspeakable contracts so many of us, and this contraction creates hesitancy and feeling unsafe. But aren't we so attracted to the people who are living in the full expanse of themselves, right? Not coincidentally, many of these people have made peace with death, which ironically has allowed them to live fully authentically and in the moment. To me, the biggest tragedy in life is not allowing yourself to experience the depth of the moment of your emotions and the people you meet. So much of this protection is because we fear the ultimate unknown, which is death. Now, if you're listening to this podcast episode, it's likely you've already experienced death, right? Maybe a grandfather, maybe a grandmother, maybe another loved one. Maybe in your immediate family, you felt the pain of losing a sibling or a mom or a dad. But if you haven't, it's coming. It will likely come in your lifetime. And feel into that statement of knowing that there is an inevitable happening. And it baffles me. It always has why we bring up our own or someone else's mortality and it's so poorly received. Because now is the time not to turn our back on the inevitable. It is as if we're exposing a prohibitive subject and quickly people are sweeping it under the rug, so we hide and turn our backs on a very inevitable experience. Now listen closely. For us to live life fully, we need to make peace with death. We need not only accept the inevitable for us, but for our loved ones as well. We're doing a major disservice to our human experience when we force those conversations back in the closet. Because death is a truth. There's no disproving death and your own mortality. And our lives cannot be fully celebrated until we celebrate death. You cannot love life and fear death. We must do both. And the moment we understand that death is simply an end to this creation and a return to who you are, then you realize death is not death. It's a continuation of life. It is the opening of a door, not the closing of one and that death is an illusion, why? Because you truly are life itself, and life cannot not be. Death is simply a continuation of that. The illusion is you, that which you think you are. The illusion is the body, but you are forever, my friends. And I'm gonna bookend this and leave you with a beautiful resonant quote from one of my favorite books, again, Conversations with God. The happiest moment of your life will be the moment it ends. That's because it doesn't end, but only goes on in ways so magnificent so full of peace and wisdom and joy as to make it difficult to describe and impossible for you to comprehend. That's one of my favorite quotes, and I leave you with this, there's no reason to fear death, and there's every reason to celebrate it. So let's lean into it and start expanding the depth of our relationship with death and life. All right, without further ado, let us get to this interview with Dr. Amy B. Killen. So excited to talk to her about all things longevity all things uh, really feeling good in your body, skin, hormones, sex, and just living longer and healthier. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? An experience of prove that's not only delicious, For 30 percent off of your first purchase that is p-u-r-i-t-y c-o-f-f-e-e dot com and use the code drg for 30 percent off of your order you know living a long life is great it is we all want to live longer but what's even better is living those years in good health right free of the chronic diseases and the ailments unfortunately for many the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide and we spent our last years ill not enjoying our life to the fullest and that's why i'm always into research Dr. Amy Killen is an integrative and regenerative physician and she is doing some of the most amazing stuff. When I met her a few years ago and I heard about what she's doing in her practice, I was blown away that I have access and a key to someone so I never age. So I stay young forever, at least healthy and physical, uh, physically strong in my body. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Yeah, you,
0: you, uh, I, I want to I wanna tell the story. We, uh, we, we met in Las Vegas. At a conference. Yes. And and it was like my first time I went ever went to the A4M conference. And it's like a scene. Mm. Especially when you go to the um, the con- like the different booths from the vendors. It's crazy. There's so many people selling so many biohacks. Yeah. And I was taking all of these tests, and I know you did the one with the the, the brain scan uh-huh. testing how fast the my wavi, brain did. the yep. Wavi is working, and you had you had this mask on, and we were spinning around. And I was like, this is crazy because for me, naturopathically it was just like set on herbs and 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 some like uh, mm-hmm. natural medicine. Just however, all these different modalities. But like all of a sudden, I got introduced to biohacking, and then I learned about you. And then you're you're keeping all the biohackers young. <laughs> you you I'm got trying, all the secrets. <laughs> you got all the secrets. But then, yeah, uh, you, you're just a super cool person. I remember we enjoyed the same type of music. We we just. We connected really well, and I'm so happy to have you on the show. It's been a while. COVID set us back for a while.
1: It did, yeah. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be fun. We had a very good time on the dance floor. Here we the did. Earth. Yeah. We, oh
0: my God, there I was. I think we
1: closed that place down.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to tell the audience. L- little do they know, a- Amy gets down. We were we were there till like four, or five in, four the in the morning at no. at, at Tao, yeah. Uh, yeah. just dancing. We were just dancing. Mm, I know. And, and I don't, for me, I don't even think there was any salsa music, and I was dancing salsa music.
1: You were. Yes. I was in my Latin I flavor. That. Yeah, you were. Because I remember trying to dance salsa, and I wasn't able to do it. But I it was just okay. Yeah. But
0: it was okay. Yeah. So we, 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 <laughs> we were having a great time. But I, I guess, I, how? I know you were an emergency room physician. Yeah. How long ago was that? What were you doing? And, and what, uh, what was the moment where you were like, I kind of don't want to do this anymore?
1: So that was eight years ago. But I stopped. So I was uh, in ER for 10 years. I was, you know, emergency medicine residency and then seven more years. Towards the end of that, I had I have three kids. So I had twins and then I had another kid um, within two years. And then I was back to work at this crazy ship that started at 4 in the morning. Wow. And my husband had moved out of state at the time. So I was sort of like single parenting, getting up at 3 in the morning, taking care of three kids and working in like this crazy environment. And I started just becoming like chronically, you know, stressed and sleep deprived and not eating well and not exercising and always in a bad mood and, you know, Mm -hmm. as you would imagine. And I started kind of noticing that my ER patients, like half of them were suffering from the same things. Like they would come in because of like toe pain, but it turns out that they're really, their issues were really not the toe pain. It was like their lifestyle and their stress and all these things. And so it just hit me one day, like I, I can't really help them until I help myself. And I can't help myself until I leave this environment and learn some new stuff. So I went through several years of just kind of teaching myself and going through courses and and things and eventually got out and started doing integrative medicine and eventually regenerative medicine as well.
0: Whoa. So it was really your patients that gave you the gift of looking and you go, whoa, you know, like these are some of the sickest people who are coming into this with emergent situations coming into this clinic, Yeah. but they're really living like the standard American.
1: Absolutely. And they would come in with, you know, you know, most of the things that come into the ER aren't emergencies, but even the ones that are emergencies, a lot of them are, you know, because of lifestyle choices and, and such. And so I just started kind of seeing myself in 10 years or 20 years. If I didn't change something, I'm like, I'm going to be that person Mm. who's coming in with, you know, chest pain. Um, And so I was, I just was like, I can't, I can't do this to myself.
0: So what is the lifestyle of an emergency room physician?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, It is... Well, the shifts are all variable, so you're never getting, like you never really have a normal circadian rhythm, right? You're working nights, evenings, weekends. Um, My shift that I worked actually was mostly a 4 a.m. to 2 o'clock shift. So you get up at 3, you go to work, there's no downtime at work. Like I would go 10 to 12 hours and never go to the bathroom. Mm. And I would drink, you know, five Diet Cokes and two Monsters during that time. And like, just you just are so busy, you you can't sit down. So it's super high stress and then just lack of sleep. So it's just you're always, like, on the go. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Like, it was fun. Yeah. But after a while, it's not as fun.
0: Now, you mentioned the circadian rhythm. How important was that in your health? And it being in balance, how was that affecting you?
1: I didn't know how amazing sleep could be until after I got out of the ER. Because I hadn't slept, you know, really, like, normal job hours in, like, 10, 15 years. Sleep is so important. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the biggest thing, like changing my sleep, I think more than anything else, more than diet, more than exercise, Mm -hmm. more than anything else that I did, being able to actually sleep eight hours every night, like completely changed everything about me.
0: Same. Same. I'm telling you, I've always eaten really healthy for a long time and working out really helps, but it doesn't touch sleep. It doesn't touch sleep. It's like, if I don't sleep well, I ain't going to work out well. Yeah. And I and my stress is going to be high. I'm not going to eat well. Yeah. I'm not going to even have the energy to make all the food that I usually do. And the sleep is the biggest game changer. I noticed like for many years, so I got sick with mold uh, in 2019 and it messed up my circadian rhythm. Mm. I was up till like 2 a.m. 2 every night, 3 a.m. And then I was going to sleep and waking up at like 10 mm. and I couldn't, I couldn't help it. Like, it was really, really tough for me. Once I found myself finally regulating that and getting to bed like 10, my brain was sharper. I was so much more creative. My mood, my, my assistant's outside right now. She will tell you, Christian changed in the past, like, two years when, like, I started healing from the mold because it was, like, I was so just, like, overwhelmed and frustrated all the time. But yeah. I can't, like, if someone's sick, like, what's the best supplement to take? I go, go to sleep.
1: It's so funny when I after I had my twins, I went back to the. I was kind of going crazy because, like, you know, I had twins and ER, and I was still working right. full time. And with twins, you don't sleep anyway. And I was sleeping like two to three hours a day total, like in like you know, little sections. Like it was awful. But I was I was going kind of crazy, so I decided to go to the gym and start working out. And I had a, I got a trainer, and I I, met, I meet this trainer, and we start working out. And after a few sessions, she was like, "Um, I think if you would sleep more." then you would have better results at the gym. And I was like, but you don't understand. Like, I don't have enough hours in the day to sleep. So I can either come here and train or I can sleep. And she was like, yeah, you should sleep.
0: Well, (laughs) powerful from a trainer. She's got a vested interest in in you coming.
1: Right, right. She was like, you should sleep. And then once you're getting enough sleep, we can train because otherwise it's not going to do you any good.
0: But it makes so much sense because one, it's part of the culture at work. And you said it was fun. It's something that you like doing. And then on top of that, you got to take care of kids. So it just makes sense that you're in a position where sleep all of a sudden gets a back seat. Oh, yeah. And we all put sleep on the back seat. You know, like even me, sometimes socially, I'm like, oh, let's spend another hour here and I'll like sleep seven hours. And then the whole next day, I'm moody or like tired or exhausted. But how can we start really? prioritizing sleep what is something like how let's say I came into your office and you do all of this amazing stuff that we're going to get into uh, with me but then I go doc like I just want to sleep better what are some of the things I should be doing
1: I mean some simple things like you know avoiding your screens for two hours before bedtime TVs phones all those kind of things you know the blue light blockers can help because that their blue light going to disrupt um, melatonin production mm-hmm. taking a warm bath or doing like a sauna or something mm-hmm. before bed can be helpful because the, the cooling of your body afterwards actually can trigger uh, melatonin in production, avoiding stimulants after, you know, lunchtime-ish, depending on kind of how fast you metabolize things like caffeine. A big one that I discovered for myself is avoiding alcohol in that like two hours before bed. And if I'm going to drink alcohol only drinking like one or two drinks because you want to be you want to have alcohol fully metabolized before you go to sleep you don't want to pass out right like you want to actually go to sleep (laughs) and that's a big one um because a lot of people will drink alcohol and then go to bed and then they wake up you know three hours later and they're like wide awake so those are all kind of some things you can do and
0: that's a myth because some people are like no i drink and i pass out and but you never get into a deep sleep right dr michael bruce do you know who that is he he, he talks about sleep all the time I was at one of his talks somewhere here, and he was, he was talking, and he, said, he goes, uh, alcohol, happy hour, comes from really the way we metabolize alcohol. And uh, our uh, alcohol dehydrogenase is most active uh, in that period of uh, happy hour.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Whereas, like, for most people, chronologi- chron- chronotypes. Okay. But, but whereas if it starts getting later, that enzyme is taking a break, and oh. we're not metabolizing it as fast. So, in essence, what he was saying is, if you drink drink earlier in the day uh-huh. but don't drink past happy hour which is it, that's interesting
1: most people yeah. don't most
0: people go out to dinner they have wine right but it's it's worth like i always tell people it's worth like thinking about think if you have alcohol at night let's say you have some wine see how you sleep versus if you just stop at like 5 30 6 o'clock yeah and it's all the enzyme activity yeah wild right
1: i love that that's yeah really cool. a,
0: little, a, little, a little hack okay so you're at you're at the er and then You see your patients presenting in a very specific type of way that mirrored yourself, and you go, "I got to make a change." So you took an integrative
1: course. So I went through. I did a lot of. I went through a4ms um, anti-aging and regenerative medicine kind of fellowship program, which is about a year-long program. I went through a bunch of other kind of hormone training courses, Synogenics course, and and you know, you know, course. There's all these different sort of thoughts on like you know, hormone optimization, and so I went through a bunch of hormone um, courses. Uh, And then I eventually, when I felt ready, I moved to Portland randomly from Austin and opened a kind of a bioidentical hormone clinic. Mm -hmm. And that was my first kind of foray into this space is just helping people with their hormones.
0: Yeah. How many women in particular, right? Because the the majority of this audience is women. How many women, and and for us fellas too, I want to know, are we suffering with hormonal issues?
1: I mean, most women over the age of... Thirty-five or forty have something going on. Not all of them, you know. Thyroid low thyroid gets much more common as we get older. Certainly, you know, kind of premenopause, that perimenopause, which is ten years or so before actual menopause, we start seeing low testosterone mm. and and progesterone is you know gets low and estrogen gets too high. And then of course after menopause, everyone has hormonal problems. Mm. And then with men, you know, I it used to be men over forty. We started saying if you're over forty, your testosterone's probably a little low. Yeah. But I'm seeing men now in their, you know, mid-20s, 30, that already have low testosterone, which is, you know, it's become this epidemic. Yes,
0: yes. (laughs) I, I, part of my work has been like environmental toxins. Yes. What the heck is the role and how bad is it? And then as, this was like years already, I've been looking into it and it's gotten worse. Mm -hmm. It's gotten worse and worse, like even from the fertility aspect. And I know you work with a lot of sex and, and fertility, but like that blew me away. I was like, no wonder. Men younger and younger mm-hmm. are losing. Uh, I mean, losing their vitality.
1: Right. In, in essence,
0: would yeah. you agree that environmental toxins plays a massive role?
1: Yeah, I think environmental toxins. I also think just lifestyle. You know, the the, the prevalence of obesity and diabetes and stress is another big one. Toxins. You know, also just the, kind of how we're not we're not lifting heavy weights. We're not working out. We're right. not. You know, like all of those things will increase testosterone. And then, you know, our diets don't have as, a lot of the nutrients that we need. Mm-hmm. We aren't getting as much sun as we need to. And so sleep. You know, our sleep is deep, messed our up. Our sleep is messed up. And sleep is when testosterone is made yeah. for, for the most part. So it's, I think it's all of those things that, that are working together. But
0: it's crazy because you think about all of the things. Let's just testosterone for an example. But it could be also with estrogen or other hormones. You just mentioned, like, in many ways, getting back to nature, right? Sun, circadian rhythm. Good sleep, eating good quality food, closest to your nature, movement, lifting stuff, whether it's weights or a rock or something. Right. Right? <laughs> yeah. Walking, like, these are all things. If your testosterone's off, so many of us look, and I, when I was in practice, I go, Dr. G, what's the best supplement for my testosterone? I want it now. Right. I don't care about the price. And I'm like, the best supplement is sleep. Go to sleep. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like, get, like get, off your, get off your blue light. Start, start moving. Start eating more dense, dense, nutritious food. But we lose it. Yeah you know, we lose our touch with nature. and and you know, we have a modernized society, and I, I'm not telling everyone to do this, but part of my passion is I ask people, how do we get back in touch with nature? A lot of the people that we see, I, I at least when I was in practice, are just so out of touch with it. Yeah. Do you see that a lot?
1: I do, and it, that's a that's really like I love nature so much. I'm a total nature girl. I live yeah. in the mountains in Utah. Beautiful.
0: I see your Instagram stories, by the way.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I go on I've a lot been meaning to
0: visit. Like it's so beautiful you should out come there, visit. man. It's
1: so pretty. But that's like the main thing that I do if I'm if I'm stressed out, if I'm sad, if I feel blah, like I'm just like you know what? I need to get outside. And it's amazing how good just being outside, like in the forest, feels. Like it it does something. To what you. does it do to you? It. It calms me, it also gives me good ideas. Like I'll do some of my best writing while I'm hiking. Like I'll just turn off you know, any music or anything and just be walking, I'll talk to myself mm. on the trail, which people think I'm a little crazy. And I'll just, you know, a lot of my talks and speeches and things that I do, like I came up with them while I, was writing, while I was walking because that's when my brain is turned on.
0: Same, I'm working on a book and guess what? I do a walk every morning and on the way back, I walk like right on the shoreline mm. and they just start flowing.
1: I was like, why don't I talk about
0: this? I was like, no one's talking
1: about this. It's a this. thing. It's definitely a thing.
0: You know, I think it was Einstein. Uh, I, I, was, I was reading years ago that he had said the, the best ideas come from no mind.
1: Mm. You know,
0: when you're not thinking, the best ideas come from when you're, whether in the, you know, you're falling asleep and you're in that state, or you're in a meditative state, or you're in a hyper present state in the forest and you hear of birds. You're, you know, you're mm-hmm. back to that nature stimulus mm-hmm. where your cortisol is going down. And allowing for that part of you to just come out, the creativity. Yeah. So it makes sense. Like, yeah. It happens to me too. Yeah. How often are you out in nature?
1: In the summer, I'm out in nature several times a week, like doing Love hikes that. and things. But in the winter, less often, just because it's harder to get out there. But I feel it. Like I feel when I'm not out there. You know, if it's gone, if, I, if it's been like two weeks and I haven't gone on a, on a hike or been out, you know, outside, I get, I start getting like a little stir crazy.
0: Yeah, me too. I I, I feel it every Wednesday. Is, is dedicated for Christian's alone nature time. Yes. That's my alone nature day. I love that. And I'm out. I'm yeah. out of the house. I do a workout, and I'm out. No one bothers me. My phone's off. Yep. Everyone knows if they can't reach me, I'm I'm doing some crazy hippie stuff with my f- shoes off. And
1: the alone part for me is key. Yeah. Like, I love hiking by myself. I love just, you know, like, not... Like, I don't necessarily want to bring friends with me. Right. Because otherwise, I'm just talking to them, and I'm not actually, like, focusing on anything. So...
0: It's true. I do some hikes with friends, but... It's very different, and I would actually challenge all the viewers and listeners. Very different mm-hmm. when you are all alone, forest bathing. Yeah. Because not only do you get the inspiration, but you really connect back to nature.
1: And turn off your phones, and yeah. turn off like don't bring your ear your earbuds. And, no, like, you just, don't need
0: music. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, the only, the only noise I make is either like, talking to myself or I yell at the bears and try to make sure there's them. Hey, bears, don't come to me. Okay. There's bears near me. There is bears near you. <laughs> so I try to scare the bears away.
0: You know, let me tell you something. I, I was last Wednesday, I was up in the Topanga Mountains over here. I did my hike. I was by myself. I, I overlooked the ocean. Beautiful. You see mm-hmm. like Malibu and Santa Monica, all the way down to like Santa Monica, Manhattan Beach. And I'm walking back. I get in my car and I just drive a few feet and a giant mountain lion. Have you ever seen a mountain lion?
1: I have. We uh, is that the same as a bobcat?
0: No, it's. It, They're different. They're bigger. B- way bigger. I've never lion. seen
1: them. We have them, but I haven't ever seen one.
0: I've never seen a mountain lion in my life. And my high beam, not my yeah, my high beams are on because it's really, really like windy roads. And this mountain lion just runs past me, and it looked like an African safari lion.
1: Oh my god! And
0: I couldn't believe that these things exist. Is That big? And it it was huge. And I was, I actually, I stopped, I put my brake, and I'm like, holy shit, what the hell? Oh my god! Um. As a side note, I just, my first experience with a mountain lion was last week, and I still think about it every morning when I wake up.
1: We had a bobcat in our front yard this last week, which is smaller, but still a little bit scary. Yeah, I've seen,
0: I've seen bobcat, I've seen them, I've seen them. Yeah. They're actually cute. They're like more cat-like. Yeah. This is more like
1: heavy, like big lion-like. lion.
0: Like It was like, it, be careful with those. Okay. Okay, so you're, now you're in Portland and you're working with hormones. You're getting a lot of people, uh, men and women,
1: mm-hmm. who
0: are suffering with hormone imbalances, and, and how's it manifesting in them? What are you seeing?
1: It could be anything from fatigue, weight gain, lack of motiv- motivation, low sex drive, like lack of libido. Um, you know, With men, it was oftentimes low libido, but also like a lot of just like mood, you know, like depression, like feeling kind of blah with something else that people would come in for. And they didn't really know what was going on, but they just were like, something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what it is, but something's wrong.
0: So what? how helpful were you doing bioidentical hormones? Mm-hmm. How helpful are they? What are they, first of all, and how helpful were they for the folks that you were treating? So
1: basically, they're just, they're just hormones that are identical. Uh, the chemistry is identical to the hormones that your body makes. So it's you know testosterone, it's estrogen, progesterone, those kinds of things, um, thyroid hormone. And so we just, you know, based on testing and based on symptoms, we just replace those hormones. Mm. So if you have someone, for instance, a guy who has really low testosterone, and and maybe he's also diabetic, and maybe he's also overweight, because those things all go together, you know, certainly you can tell that guy, hey, go out in nature and lift heavy things and, you know, get some sun and work out more and you know get some sleep you can give them all the lifestyle yeah. um, advice and those are all good things but if that guy is so unmotivated because his testosterone is like in the toilet, it's really hard to do some of those other changes. Yeah, and so giving, you know, so we would replace testosterone with testosterone, or sometimes give medications just to boost his own testosterone, mm-hmm. and then that gives him enough motivation to start doing the lifestyle stuff too. So, you know, I've had arguments with people who are like, "Well, just tell him to, you know, to be healthier," and I think that's easier said than done when you're in a place that you just don't have the energy, or you just don't have the drive, mm-hmm. or you're just depressed. So when you give these hormones back, it you know kind of gives the people like it makes them feel like they're more alive again. Yeah. And it's life changing. I I loved I loved I still see hormone patients, but um, those first patients I loved when they would come in. I have it would often be like this woman. Like my patient was often a woman who would come in and she was like grumpy and angry and kind of yelling at me a little bit and like she's like throwing her purse down. And <laughs> so everything yeah. sucks. And you know I'm just like oh my gosh, this person's horrible. But then I'll start on hormones and she'll come back like three months later. And she's like smiling and happy and mm. grateful. And it's a whole different person. Like it's a whole different person. The mood stuff. Um, yeah, the mood stuff Whoa. is huge.
0: And I and I, I totally understand. You got to get them out of that hole that they feel that yeah. they're in. Because if you're depressed, you're not going to want to work out. Right. You're not going to want to cook for yourself. Right. Right, so I, it's really powerful. I've seen the power of uh, bioidentical hormones, especially in postmenopausal women. Yes, it's like huge day and night. Mm-hmm. It's day and night, <clears throat> and and because from what I understand, most women don't don't progressively just ease into right. menopause. It's like boom, wow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and it's and, and they're suffering so much yeah. with it. And I know there's women listening right now. They're like, oh wait, that's me. That's me. So they can really look into this stuff. Right, absolutely powerful. Yeah. So then, when do you move to Utah and do what you're
1: doing? So towards the end of my Portland um, era, I started becoming interested in regenerative medicine. So like platelet-rich plasma, and then eventually stem cells and things like that. And I wanted to start learning somehow like to, to do procedures with these things. And these are all you know things that either from your own body or or maybe not, but essentially trying to get your own body to heal itself. You know, using different kinds of injections. And I became really interested in in skin health and aesthetics and hair restoration and sexual health mm. using these other modalities. And I ended up moving to Utah just because of the mountains. They drew me there. And I, I sought out um, education by one of the local guys who was already known for doing stem cell procedures, such as Harry Adelson, who's mm-hmm. in, he's a naturopath.
0: Yeah, yeah, naturopath, I know. And he's
1: in Utah and has been, had been doing stem cells forever. So I kind of sought him out. I kind of pestered him until he let me come work with him.
0: Really? And
1: um, it- yeah, I did. I just kept, kind of kept showing, he was super nice, but he just kind of kept showing up. So then I started learning about how to use stem cells and eventually exosomes and PRP and all of these things for cosmetic purposes and for sexual purposes. As
0: okay. Well. Okay. There's a lot of people right now who are like, "What words did you just I say?" I know. I
1: just spilled a lot of a right. lot of words out
0: there. So so, and a lot of us have heard about stem cells. I know. I know that. I, I um, for the last time I was in practice, I worked uh, in a partly stem cell clinic. The other doctors were doing it, so I I think it's amazing stuff. Amazing. Uh, but we, I'd love to learn more about like what is regenerative medicine? Is it like if I break my leg, I can come to you and regenerate my leg? So <laughs> how, 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 that, how, does that, how does that work? And, and some of the modalities you said, like stem do you mm-hmm. mentioned the word exosomes, what are they and how do they work?
1: So I'll start with that question. Um, So stem cells, they're the cells in your body that are responsible for the upkeep of all the different tissues and organs. And so as you get older or as you have disease or as you have injuries, the stem cells are the cells that essentially send out signals to help repair those areas and keep everything working. And what happens is as we get older, our stem cells become less active. Mm. You still have them. We all still have them. But the older we get the less active they are, so they're not sending out as many signals to repair. Hmm. Um, and you can think of it, you know, if, if I were to cut my arm as a 40-something-year-old woman, I would, it would take me, you know, maybe a week to heal. Right. Versus my 12-year-old son, he cuts his arm and it's healed like the next day. Yeah. It's stem cells, like he's got so many great active stem cells. So what we're doing with stem cell medicine, or with regenerative medicine in general, is we're using different modalities to try to trigger your own stem cells into becoming more active. And so we can do that with things like PRP, which is just got, we just get that from blood. It's just platelets concentrated from your blood, which can speak to your stem cells if we inject them. Or we can take your stem cells from like your bone marrow or your fat and isolate your own stem cells and put them somewhere else. Mm. Like in your arthritic knee or in your neck pain you know, or in your skin to help with skin rejuvenation or we can use other sort of newer things like growth factors or exosomes which are like the kind of the action arm of a stem cell they have a lot of the same components that they come from stem cells mm-hmm. and those will come from other sources like placental tissue so but, but the whole idea is we're injecting something into your body to try to activate your own stem cells into becoming more active to try to heal and rejuvenate that tissue. Mm-hmm.
0: Working with your own natural processes. Exactly. Right, to heal the tissue. And, and it's been booming. Like I've heard stem cells, I didn't hear about it when I was in school, and then I came out and people yeah. were talking about it, and now I'm like, whoa, everyone does it now?
1: It's a thing, yeah. Um, <laughs> is, it,
0: is it, one, are they safe? And how regulated is it? Are there other docs out there doing crappy stem cells? Because I know a lot of people are like, oh, this sounds really good. You know, I've had this injury that's been nagging me my arthritic knee. Right. How do we look for reputable people like you?
1: It is tough because it, it is a booming field, as you said. And there's a lot of people who say they're doing stem cells, but they're not. For instance, like right now in the United States, we're allowed to use stem cells from bone marrow from the patient. We're not allowed to use stem cells, like, from umbilical cord cells or things like that. Um, we're not allowed... There's all, we have all kinds of regulations on what we can and can't use. Also, a lot of the products that some doctors are using, they'll say they're stem cells, but they're actually not. Like, they're not live cells. They're just... They're growth factors, they're proteins mm. that might have come from stem cells, but they're not live cells. And so I think that that's tricky, because people don't know, you know... Like, I will say, if you go to the doctor and they pull a vial, vial off a shelf and say, this is a stem cell, that they're going to give you, it's not. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay. So that's one thing. Okay. It
1: could be growth factors. It could be helpful. Um, it could be exosomes. Yeah. But it's not a stem cell. And if, if it is, it's not legal because that's not allowed right here. You know, in the United States. But getting stem cells from the patient and using them somewhere else is. Is legal most of the time here. Mm-hmm.
0: So, mm-hmm. and that process from getting it, you said, goes right to the belt, bone marrow or the fat,
1: mm-hmm. and you
0: isolate them from there, and then you re-inject them.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and we do it under sedation because mm-hmm. we we we've learned that it actually is if you cause the patient pain during the procedure, they have they have bad memories of this procedure, and they tend to not heal as well. Which wow, is very interesting. which is really which interesting. makes sense, though, yeah. right? Like if you're if you're creating a big a big cortisol dump, a big stress response. During the procedure, which is very kind of inflammatory, and then you also have this mind, this negative sort of thought pattern around it, then then you know probably aren't going to do as well as if that didn't happen. Yeah. So we sedate people for the most part, and my procedures just focus on skin, hair, and and sexual health. So I say I do skin and sex,
0: skin and sex, yeah. Um, but
1: my business, my partner Harry Adelson, he does all the musculoskeletal injections, right? So for chronic pain, primarily, we're not going to do anything for if you break your bone, your leg today, we wouldn't we wouldn't touch it for, you know, we let it start to heal on its own because you have your own stem cells and they're going to be active. It's more like chronic pain that like you've used up the stem cells in that area because that pain has been there for so long. Yeah. That inflammation has been there for so long.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So to the skin. Yeah. A lot, lot of us love beauty, man. Like, I want to stay
1: young. You're beautiful already. I'm
0: t- thank you, thank you, inside and out, and you are too. I, but I, but I want to be glowing all my life, right? Yeah. What role do stem cells have in uh, keeping us young and and supple and rich and glowing and radiant? All of those things that people really like—it's a billion-dollar industry behind it. It
1: is. Well, I mean, as you get older, after the age of 25 or so, your 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 stem cells in your in your face, your in your fibroblasts, they stop making collagen or as much. They stop making elastin, which is what gives your face like the bounce back. Mm -hmm. And they also stop making hyaluronic acid, which is what gives your skin moisture. So you basically lose, you know, these main three components of skin starting at age 25, and it gets worse as you get older. And so... The stem cell therapies, the things that activate your stem cells, and that's not just stem cells. You can use lasers to activate your stem cells. You can use, you know, PRP. You can use microneedling. Like there are a lot of different things will do it. But when you activate your stem cells in your your face, then you can you increase the production of those things. Mm. So it's really about creating healthier skin. It's not the same as like Botox or fillers or you know a facelift or things like that. It's it's more about creating healthier skin. So it's good for the glow, it's good for kind of texture and tone and, and, and color and mm-hmm. um, improving scars, but it's not as good at like tightening your skin. I instance. see. And it's not as good at, at filling your skin. Like if you have like volume loss in your cheeks, which happens as we get older or if you're you know kind of thin, then these therapies aren't as good for that because you actually just need more volume you need more fat or filler in, that, in your skin.
0: I see. Now let's chat about something crucial that is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right? we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or in your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. dot com slash drG you're gonna get fifty percent off plus all those freebies yeah uh, for people who do use the stem cells for you said glow especially mm-hmm. um, how long does it last is it for a while is it I got to come back to you next week how does that work
1: it depends on what else you're doing because you're not going to stop aging um, so I am a big fan of sunblock on your face um, there's a lot of arguments about the pros and cons of sunblock mm-hmm. but I think for for anti anti-aging purposes of your skin on your face daily sunblock sunblock like a zinc oxide mm-hmm. is important but you know so if you're not using sunblock or if you're not using good products on your skin and your diet's not good right. and your stress is high um, or you're postmenopausal when you where you don't have estrogen to keep your skin healthy then anything that i do isn't going to last as long
0: mm-hmm. but if
1: you're doing all the things then you know maybe a year to a year and a half
0: which is a while which and, and pretty good, yeah. and most people who I, I would think seek out your your you and your services or at least listen have a good lifestyle already. Yeah, they have an idea, so it's a really good foot that they're on already. You mentioned uh, about Botox. How do you feel about it? Is it? Is it? I actually never talked about Botox you on the show. No. Yeah, and I, I love that we have a beauty expert here.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, one is it safe? Is it sustainable long term? Um, what's your opinion on the risks? How, how do you feel about I it?
1: I think that Botox is pretty safe, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that it has its place. I think it can be done properly. You know, It's basically stopping the, um, the muscles from moving. So there are certain lines and wrinkles that we have that are just because those muscles move right. over and over again. We call those dynamic wrinkles. And there's not really a way to stop those lines from happening if you don't stop the muscles from moving. And you can make them move less, like you can make them just kind of barely contract. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like a frozen face thing. It's, it's so widely used that I think if there were serious concerns with it, we would see much more yeah. published. I mean, there's been a couple of little papers here and there, but um, you know, thousands and millions of people use Botox, right? Or similar other products. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it's pretty safe. It's one of the, I think it's pretty safe and it's hard to really inflict serious damage um, with a neurotoxin like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, that, which makes sense. I, I always wondered, I've never used Botox. I've been blessed with Latin genes. Yeah, Right. Um, skin. My, my dad and mom have had wonderful skin all their lives. My dad looks very young for his age. He's 72. Oh. Um, So uh, I've never even looked at it. But I know a lot of people who use it. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting because aside from, okay, let's say it's safe, there's like a facial recognition thing that happens with me that I can tell if someone has it, even if it's the most subtle. Ah. You know how like human beings, we're so used to even, and we're not, we don't consciously know, but we're so used to like the the fine movements, the motor movements in the face. Yeah like, something doesn't feel right. right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I feel like less connected to this person. I don't know why.
1: Oh, that's so funny. It,
0: it, I, I, there has to be. A, I never looked it up, but there has to be studies on like the, the social mm. impact of like communication with.
1: That's, that's a good. I, have not, I haven't seen those studies, but that's interesting. I
0: like, I like thinking. I like studies like that. I
1: mean, there are definitely people and, I, and patients will say this to me. And I've had, you know, I've had myself where it's been too much Botox and where I feel like I can't, I can't react appropriately really and and certain patients will have that too like they're um they're like you know i'm I'm used to like putting my like getting angry in my my, my <laughs> forehead wrinkles scr- and my yeah. kids know i'm mad because yeah. my forehead's wrinkling yeah. now they don't know i'm mad unless yeah. i scream at them yeah <laughs> yeah so there's definitely that piece of it i think that's interesting i, I haven't considered uh, that but i'd love to look at that i'm sure that's a thing
0: super interesting yeah. okay skin one sex mm. To what capacity? Well, I, I've seen some really cool posts that you've put on your yeah. Instagram before. I've reposted a few actually oh, throughout good. since I've known you. But how do you work with sexual health?
1: So it started because I started learning these regenerative therapies, these stem cells, these PRP. You know, I, I learned that I could use them for different things. And what happened was a lot of these hormone patients who they would come to me, you know, with hormonal problems, and they're like in this like survival state, and they're hor- they're really unhappy, and you know, all these things. And they would come back like three or four months later and they would say, okay, my mood is getting better, I'm losing weight, I'm starting to feel better, and now can you help me with either my skin, my hair, or my sex life? Mm. And it was always one of those three things. And so I started kind of seeing those as like this sort of next level of health. Like, you know, you have to get all the foundational stuff dialed in first, but then once you do, um, people care about those things. Yeah. Like whether we wanna judge them that's good or bad, I think it doesn't matter because they care. And if they care, then I care. And so I started looking into, like, you know, how is sexual health approached currently? Like, who talks about it? You know, what are the doctors doing? What are the therapies available? And what could we do that's better and different? And how can we look at it from sort of an integrative approach and a regenerative approach, you know, not just throw some Viagra at you and, and you're done. But like, what else can we do? So I became fascinated by it because it's such an interesting field of medicine.
0: Yeah, and it's and people are talking more and more about it. I always uh, think about naturopathic like principles. The body stops caring about the skin and the hair and your sex life or your sexual health or your libido in order to really work on the deeper stuff. But like, it's exactly what you said the people who have healed and feeling better, they go, oh, my skin and my hair and I want to be more sexually, uh, have more vitality, you right. know? And it makes sense because the body's healing. It's, it, for me, it's like a big barometer, especially my sexual health,
1: mm-hmm. where I am. Right. I know I'm
0: not sleeping well, eating well, or stressed yes. if I'm just feeling like Bleh.
1: exactly yeah I mean I I think of sexual health as being kind of like the middle of like all of these other types of health right like you have to have um, you have to have your social health in order yeah. your relationships you have to have your physical health in order uh, you have to have your emotional mental health in order your spiritual health like it you're you know it basically all of these things have to come together in the right way to really be in a sexually sort of satisfying you know partnership or relationship and so if if your sex life is off uh, whether that's alone or with a partner like this is any kind of sex if something's off then it points you in some other direction like it's it's not usually like a genital problem like it's usually like something else is going on your hormones you're not sleeping well you're not Mm -hmm. eating well you're you know you're having too much stress you know there's all kinds of other things that influence your sex life
0: so so if i come into your office and i go my sex life is is blah and i'm blah and i just feel like Remember Winnie the Pooh Eeyore? Yeah. We're just dragging like <laughs> like kinda like that. Uh what, do, do we do stem cells like what what how do, how do we work together like so i have
1: um I have a couple of different I have two different offices but the one office is a big integrative medicine office and so in that office we would start with you know a, a history and exam do all the, those kind of things and then probably get some labs you know check all your hormones check your thyroid check all your like all your labs your liver your kidney yeah. your, you know, your cholesterol like are you are you at risk for heart disease like you know there's so many things that can cause sexual problems that we have to kind of cast a wide net and then you know if it we kind of rule out if it's if it's something like sexual trauma or Mm. something that needs to go see like a therapist then that's not me um but but you know send get get you resources for that and then you know once we've kind of dialed in maybe where it's coming from whether it's you know age related or or whatever else then we can start talking about what are some therapy options. And stem cells are one of them, but not the first one. I would you know, think about other things, like shockwave therapy for instance, is great for men. Um, medications can be effective. You know, there's penis pumps. Like, There's mm. all kinds of things you can do before you're putting a needle in your penis.
0: What the heck is shockwave therapy <laughs> first of all?
1: <laughs> it sounds pretty brutal, but it's not. It's actually just using high-intensity sound waves. So it's acoustic wave therapy is the other name of it. Gaines Wave is the company that kind of made this, um, marketed this in the U.S. But it's just a, it's a Device we use in the office and we essentially just um, we do these sound waves into the penis. We can do it in women too, actually, but you're... You're increasing stem cell recruitment. You're increasing blood vessel formation. Wow. And you're increasing local nitric oxide, which is going to bring in more blood. So you do a series of treatments over the course of, like, a month. And um, we see, you know, huge improvements. By waves. Like, erectile dysfunction is what we're Yeah,
0: with but that. by waves.
1: By waves, yeah.
0: It, I love that you're using wave medicine.
1: Yeah. It's I mean, like, it sounds like a jackhammer. Like, it's not necessarily, like, the quiet, like, oh, yeah. serene, like, thing that you might ocean about. Ocean waves. We're not thinking ocean <laughs> waves. We're not talking about ocean waves. Yeah, We're thinking
0: more MRIs. <laughs>
1: We're talking about like a jackhammer on your penis, but not as painful.
0: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I'm totally
1: selling it right
0: it's, now. It's, it's fine, I know you are, but it but the lengths men will go to.
1: Right, right? it works. It works in probably 75 to 80% of men. Wow. Who have, and we have a lot of patients, probably half our patients don't have any actual like erectile dysfunction. They're just like, well, I'm 40. And you know, as we get older, things change a little bit. And I'd love to have it be back like it was when I was 20 or 30 and you know, you're actually creating a regenerative process. Like you're creating, you're making your body kind of heal itself, mm-hmm. which is, which is, I think the best part about it.
0: There's a, is it the O shot is it called? Uh-huh. What, what is that?
1: So the O shot is the orgasm shot. Um, it's basically just using platelet-rich plasma and for women injecting the clitoris and the anterior vaginal wall, kind of like the G spot area.
0: Wow. With, with a needle.
1: With a needle. Yep. Of
0: platelet-rich plasma.
1: Yeah. And we also do a P shot or that's, for the the peashot, yeah, 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 which yeah. is where you inject the penis with with PRP, and then I also will use in those procedures. Like you know, I used to just use PRP, but now I'll oftentimes use the stem cells or the exosomes or kind of these higher level growth factors and things. But injecting those areas after we numb it first, it's not it's not as bad as it sounds. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> for sure. But but it's so it's recruiting stem cells to bring more blood flow. Uh, for, for for the women, is it for, for more sensitivity?
1: It, yeah, I mean uh, the mechanism seems to be mostly blood flow, mostly increasing new blood vessel formation, so angiogenesis. It, you can we can help with sensitivity. We can help with um, in men, you know, with actual just erections and firmness and, and refractory period and things like that. And then sometimes in women, we can also help with stress urinary incontinence. Mm. So if you you know if you laugh or you know you jump and you run and you kind of oh. have a little bit of urine leakage, yeah. super common. And this is something that's really easy. It's just you know a couple little injections and it can often help because you're building up that tissue underneath the urethra.
0: Mm. I love that. There's a lot of men I know who listen to this too who are 40 and above. They're like, Interesting.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know,
0: it, it's because it, when I heard about the pee shot, I was like, a pee shot. I was like, no, 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 it no. Sounds, no. Yeah, it sounds
1: yeah, sounds bad. It
0: sounds a little painful, but you're you're sedated or it's an- that anesthetic. That when you're anesthetic. not
1: usually sedated. You can be, but yeah. not, you don't. You know, it hurts a lot less than you think it's going to. Okay. It's like a little pinch. It's a little. Pinch. And I say that as someone who does not have a penis, but I've done <laughs> many of these. <laughs> and, and no one's
0: jumping to the ceiling.
1: No, and almost everyone afterwards says. That didn't, that wasn't that
0: bad. Okay. Now, (laughs) now, a lot of this is around like the sensitivity or need for blood flow, erectile dysfunction. But libido is a big thing for men and women. Yeah. And you mentioned some of the things like running the labs, of course. But like, what are some other things that you find maybe outside the labs? Like, oh, I have perfect labs and my libido is just like,
1: oh, I can't, I just can't. I mean, a lot of it's just other lifestyle stuff going on, you know, like you said before. If you're not sleeping, if you're super stressed, you know we know that stress affects your hormones um, a lot. and And what's interesting about about sex is you actually need to be in in this sort of rest and relaxed. You need to be in that parasympathetic Completely. state. Yeah. I mean, for everything to work, like literally for the blood to stay where you where it goes and all of that. And so if you're coming at it from this like always stressed out fight or flight, you know, high cortisol, state, which a lot of people live in that state like all the time, it's really hard to transition from that to having sex. Big time. Especially for women, but for for everyone.
0: And sensitive men.
1: And sensitive (laughs) men.
0: I got to do, I got to do tantric breathing. I have to breathe. Yeah. Like literally like parasympathetic, like, yeah, you know, because I, for me, it's like one minute ago, I was still like on a call being like, you need to do this, this and this. We got to get this done. Yeah. There's, even if like work stops, I need like four hours of relaxation to get into my body yeah so but the breathing really really helps and and i understand a lot of women are still like in their heads from their day or whatever they're thinking Mm -hmm. about they just can't get into the body in that parasympathetic mode and yeah. Of course, not, they're not just we're not activated, you know, no, at all. Yeah,
1: it's hard to it's hard to kind of force that if you're if you're not in the right frame of mind. So I think that that's a, you know, breathing is great, breathing exercises and yoga and meditation, and journaling, and you know, all the things that you can do. Walks on the beach, whatever, like whatever works for you to just get into a place where you're not overwhelmed with the world.
0: We need to start. I I, the, I think my favorite thing that you said, aside from this whole interview, is uh, <laughs> is sexual health being right there mm-hmm. and there are so many of us they're like oh i'm gonna biohack and i'm gonna look at all the things for longevity and physical health and then there's people meditating all day and doing yoga and like my spiritual health is on point right or seeing a therapist or journaling and my mental emotional health but you know aside from like the taboo that we have here in america we don't even want to talk about sexual health yeah you know i have a sexual therapist that i talk to and we and we chat and i'm like this is what i feel you know let's how, how do we navigate this because the the aspect of like past trauma that you were going into is huge. Right. A lot for men, a lot of the way we see sex through yeah. porn and just yeah. you know society and women too.
1: Yeah.
0: And we're we're holding on to like these past traumas for and we bring it to the bedroom. Yeah. We we need so much healing sexually because I believe people are in their most power when they have their sexual health healed.
1: I think so too, and I think that, like you mentioned before, that that sexual health is kind of a barometer, you know, of a lot of different types of health, and um, and it's it is important, and I and I say that as you know, you don't have to have a partner. Like a lot of people are always like, Well I don't have a I don't have a partner." So what am does I gonna it doesn't matter. Do? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like it's not about reproduction. That's a that's a whole different thing. It's not, and it's not about like you know, like what you learned in fifth grade. It's it's about like, is my body sexually healthy? Like, can I? you know, have sex, whether it's alone or with someone else and go through all of those things because you, there's so many beneficial hormones. I feel like sex, whether it's, you know, alone or with someone else, it's kind of like a self-soothing exercise. Like, you know, you have all the stress, you have all those things going on in your life, but if you can release, you know, dopamine and oxytocin mm. and serotonin and endorphins and all of these like really great hormones, which all which you do during sex, then you have this like immediate sort of healing that happens and then it you know as well as long-term consequences yeah. but it's it's really good for you and we, we can all do it <laughs> healthy sex life yeah
0: healthy sex life with yourself and another
1: exactly right yeah.
0: and and you mentioned those beautiful uh, endorphin, the dopamine all those neurotransmitters that are released that are healing for our own mental and our physical health right so we got to get we got to get sexual health 2022 number one for our society Let's, we got to step up there on the mountain yeah. Uh Amy, what do you, anything else interesting uh, that you want to share or that you're doing that's in your heart? Whatever you want to share with the audience, now's the time.
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I have a lot of other projects. I have a sexual health project that I'm actually doing that will be com- coming out in a few months. Um, I'll share that with you and your audience later on. Okay. Um, but that's something I'm doing. And I'm also doing a project, project in the, lum- like the longevity space that I'm excited about as well. That's really hopefully going to kind of re-educate um, or re redefine how we talk about kind of longevity and make it a little bit more attainable for a lot of people. So I have that that'll come out in a few months as well. So I'll let you guys know about both of those. I
0: love that. How do you define longevity?
1: I define longevity as really being about health span, you know, not so much lifespan, but how long are you living a healthy life where you feel good, where you're interactive, where you have community and you feel like you're living with purpose, not so much just how long are you alive?
0: Exactly. I love that. I love that. Where do people find you?
1: So I'm pretty active on Instagram. Uh-huh. It's Dr. Amy B. Killen. Um, I also have, like, multiple websites, but the easiest one is probably Dr. Amy Killen. Uh, and then I have several clinics. So, if, you know, if, it's, if, it's see- if a clinic is of interest, just go to my, my main website and I can kind of direct you to the other ones.
0: And the website is what?
1: Dr. Amy Killen, uh, okay. Dot com.
0: Everyone check it out. You can find her online on Instagram, at one of her clinics on the dance floor till 4 (laughs) a.m., whatever it is. Salsa dancing. Salsa dancing. Uh, Thank you all the way from Utah here, dropping some amazing gems for people. The work you're doing is keeping us healthy, living long, looking luscious and beautiful, hair, and we have the sexual energy and flow going because of you. We're inspired. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.